السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام عليك وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وعلاه الحمد لله الحمد لله We give thanks and praise to our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala letting our ears hear such beautiful words that are emanating from such beautiful hearts and one of the etiquettes that we should always remember whenever it is that we hear any words from any person man and woman alike adult and child alike that known and unknown alike all of these different types of people is that even someone who is not even of the same faith as us someone that doesn't practice or even look like us the etiquette of the righteous is is that they imagine then they bring to heart is that Allah Ta'ala is sending them those words in that particular moment so they then receive them in a way that they are ever so conscious of what it is that they're going to do with them so we should see that whenever it is that someone is speaking is that how do those words relate to me that what is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to convey to me in that moment and that we should receive them in a way that we're ready to put them into practice this is the way that people were before us and that you have these incredible stories where some of them would even do certain things that you might question there's this famous story of one of the grandchildren of our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the great 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 grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi Sayyidina Imam Jafar al-Sadiq is that he was riding on his riding beast his mule and he came across a man that had been drinking the man had been drinking something that he shouldn't have been drinking and he was reciting poetry and he gets down off of his mule and he writes down the lines of poetry that this man was reciting and his students were wondering why is he doing this and they asked him and they said that why are you doing this that this man is reciting lines of poetry but you get off of your mule and then that you that write down these lines of poetry and he said al-hikmatu dalatul mu'min he reminded them of the famous hadith of our prophet sallallahu that wisdom is the lost property of the believer and then they said that why are you getting down you could have written them down while you're on the back of your mule and he said this is the adab of talaqi this is the etiquette of that learning and so don't misconstrue what it is that happened there in this example is that this was someone who that benefited from everything that was happening around them these are people who don't even be only benefit from people's words is that they benefit from everything that's happening in nature is that they benefit from a thunderstorm in a different way than other people they benefit from snowstorms and rainstorms and different types of natural disasters or even when the weather is beautiful is that those happenings in creation speak to them in a way that other people miss because their hearts are in tune as our dear Sheikh Omar Maya that reminded us their hearts are oriented and when the heart is oriented you will understand what it is that you are meant to understand and alhamdulillah is that when we receive these great words is that we will then always be attentive especially in gatherings where people are saying words of benefit but in every other aspect of our life because you never know is that it very well could be that someone could say something that changes your life forever but as they mention is that if you're in a state of heathenness it very well might miss you 
So we need to make our hearts present so is that we can witness everything that is happening around us and realize it is happening ultimately for our benefit. And this is the reality. Everything from the divine decree, everything that is that we experience from the divine decree can ultimately be for our own benefit. But you and I have to see it as such. What do we do when it's bitter? What do we do when it is sweet? What do we do when it requires patience? What do we do when it requires gratitude? All of these different states require that different happenings require that we respond in a very specific way. And if that is the case, then is that we will see in any given lifetime is that every single Adami, every single human being that is that has the possibility ultimately to reach the highest degree of closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everybody has that by virtue of their Adamic potential to attain the highest degree of closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the way that we do that is simply by maximizing your and I's own potential. If you and I maximize our own potential, this is the secret to attaining the rida, the contentment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everyone has that ability. And it's actually very easy. It's actually very easy. It's just a matter of submitting to your own circumstances. There's a lot of things that that doesn't mean because you say that nowadays and you have to qualify it. It doesn't mean that you're in a state, if you're in a state where you're suffering and you are that being oppressed or that you are in a state whereby that you are that somehow that a victim of some sort of abuse. Put all of that that aside from this understanding. No, in those situations you have to get yourself out or at least try to do so. But while you do that, you're still in a state of submission. You see everything being from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then this opens up the great door for us to draw near to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the context of futuwa, about which that we've been speaking about for all of these weeks, and really it is a concept or a reality of the deen that we can never ever speak about enough. Because this way of being, which is the way of the Prophet's, has so many different aspects. It's not enough for us just to hear that word and to have it go in one ear and out the other. Is it, this is something that we have to dedicate ourselves to. This is something that we have to constantly remind ourselves of and try to live up to. It is not something that is easy. And it is something that simultaneously as we are working on this is that many of the forces of the modern world are working against us. And we feel the that carpet being pulled from underneath our feet just as that we try to ground ourselves. And so, is that we have to be on two fronts at the same time. Be aware of what is happening around us so that we can protect what it is that we already have and then lay the foundations for us to be able to receive more. And in this regard, the next great trait or traits of Futuwa that Imam al-Sulami radiallahu ta'ala anhu mentions is وَمِنِ الْفُتُوَّةِ صِدْقُ الْحَدِيثِ وَأَدَاءُ الْأَمَانَةِ It is from futuwa to speak truthfully and fulfill trust. All of these things sound so easy. But really, is it if we take them seriously and really look at our own selves, and we try to make sure that we've implemented them, we will quickly realize that they are not easy. Even this first trait of Sidq al-Hadith, speaking truthfully. In the uh, khutbah last week, is that we were discussing the various levels of Sidq. 
basing it on a hadith of our Prophet ﷺ, where our Prophet indicated to us is that Sidq, which you could translate as truthfulness, and you could also translate as trueness. It's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. But our Prophet gave us a tangible way to begin, which is first and foremost at the level of our tongue. And that what we discussed was that there were six different levels of Sidq. And if we've heard this before, now it's time to memorize it. And if we've memorized it, now it's time to actually work on it and put it into practice. Six different levels. The first level is Sidq al-Hadith, that being truthful in your speech. The second level is being that true in your intentions. The next level is that being true and having resolve to carry out your intentions. The fourth level is being true in fulfilling what you've resolved to do in relation to carrying out your intentions. The fifth level is being true in that all of the different a'mal, the acts that you do. And then the sixth and highest, in all of the stations of certainty, all of the different stations of the religion, is that you are true. And that you fully exemplify them or live them in a way that is intended by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is something that is not easy in all of your different states. But just imagine the spiritual progression of a Siddiq, of someone who is an ultimate confirmer of truth and that they're true at every level of their being, every atom of their existence is exuding trueness. That type of person's progression is exponential. These are people that are... that in very short periods of time traveling that very far spiritually. But again, this is not something that is easy, but we have a practical way that we can begin focusing on Sidq al-Hadith, that always maintaining truthfulness of speech and being very careful about what it is that we say, making sure is that we don't take part in spreading rumors ascertaining what it is that other people tell us and then when we convey that to someone else making sure that what we say is true and if you doubt say perhaps it was like this or maybe it was like that that using that a type of language that indicates that we're not absolutely certain about what it is that was said this is of the utmost importance and then being very careful in terms of exaggerating too much some of the ulama that have said that this is actually problematic to actually say to one of your children, I've told you a thousand times. Was it really a thousand times? Or is it more like two or three? Is that this is getting into a questionable area and perhaps that it could be that from the things that are unlawful, that misleading expressions, innuendos, that being very careful to not do these for that purposes that are not sound making sure that there really is a hajjah, that there really is a need to do that. And all of these different aspects, if we would just look at the dimensions of Sidq al-Hadith itself, is that we would recognize is that there are many things that we say, at very least you could say that they're questionable, if not boarding on doing something that is actually unlawful, if not unright, outright haram. Guarding our tongues, knowing that, that our tongue could get us in trouble. If the likes of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Sadiq said, which you would say is that this is what got me in trouble. If that's Sayyidina Abu Bakr Sadiq, 
Then what about other people? That the harvesting of the tongue that we know in that famous statement, that hadith that our Prophet told that Sayyidina Mu'adh and that when he said, Ya Rasulullah, will we be taken to account for what it is that we say? And then what did that our Prophet ﷺ say to Mu'adh? That may your mother and father be bereaved of you. Is there, is there anything that plunges people more into the hellfire than the harvest of their tongues? This is very serious. And sometimes we just say a thing in passing. And we think that we're making people around us laugh. As has come in a hadith. And as a result, someone plunges into the depths of the fire. As a result, we have to be careful about what it is that we say. And making sure is that we only say things that are of benefit. We only say things that are uplifting. And we are sources of good for other people when it is that we speak. And then we have ada al-amana. And this is something that no matter how much it is, again, that you speak about, this is one of the things that increasingly is lost. Not just in the modern world, the more and more distant that we get away from the time of our Prophet ﷺ, the more and more that we have these true men and women that exemplify these virtues, fulfilling trusts. And that this great word amana is one of the most important words of all. And it is the word that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses that for this trust that He showed to the heavens and the earth and the mountains and they refused to bear this trust and they were fearful of it. But the human being assumed this trust. And this is related to the greatest amana of all which is that of taklif, legal responsibility where we affirm the oneness of Allah Jalla Jalal, and then we submit to how it is that Allah Ta'ala wants us to live, which we only come to know on the tongue of our Prophet ﷺ. How it is that you and I live according to that these prophetic teachings which ultimately have come to Him by way of revelation. So again, that living up to this trust is what this life is all about. But then as a result, is that there is a way that we interact with people around us based upon fulfilling this amana in the greatest sense, but also this virtue that we exemplify that manifests in so many different ways. And there's a hadith narrated by Imam al-Hakim and others that says, there are four traits that if they are in you, it does not matter what you have missed from the dunya. That arba'un, إِذَا كُنَّ فِيكَ فَلَا عَلَيْكَ مَا فَاتَكَ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا So what, is he, what are we being taught here? Hadith like this should bring us solace. Because not everybody can have dunya. But these are traits that our Prophet is saying that if you have these, it does not matter what has missed you from the dunya. It does not matter what you've acquired from the dunya or have not acquired from the dunya if you have these four great traits. The very first thing that our Prophet mentioned was hifdul amana. Is that you make sure to fulfill your trust. Literally, you preserve this trustworthiness. You are a person of amana. Is that you make sure that when you say something that you follow through with it. And it comes from a root word that amina ya'manu that relates to safety and security. And then a different form, amuna ya'munu, it's this straight, it's this trait of remaining trustworthy. 
And we know that it is one of the four fundamental virtues, four fundamental that necessary attributes of prophets. All of them had this trait. They were trustworthy. And we know that our prophet was the greatest example of it. He was Al-Amin. And I just want to ask you, is that if you have someone that hates you and is fighting against you and has waged war against you, would they leave that their jewelry or something that they wanted to make sure to preserve with you? Is that our Prophet ﷺ, is that people, even his enemies, left deposits with him because they knew that he was trustworthy. And our Prophet, during the migration, look at the amana. There were things that he was holding for people. He left Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib behind. And some of them were kuffar. They were against him. And maybe some of them were even fighting against him. He left Sayyidina Ali behind to give back the deposits that people left with him. To this degree. Who would do that? And that many of us, that all of a sudden if our relationship went sour, is that we might be the first of people to that not fulfill those trusts that we have. And that this also relates to this idea of responsibility. So when our Prophet said that all of you are shepherds, i.e. all of you are responsible, and all of you that will be asked about that which you are responsible for, i.e. your flocks. He gave us this great example of a shepherd with his sheep, with his flock. Is that this is the idea of that trustworthiness, this idea of fulfilling trust, realizing that we are responsible. And when you feel that heavy weight of responsibility upon your shoulders, it motivates you to action. And again, is that as we become lighter and lighter people, that we just kind of blow with the wind. These are some of the first traits to go. And our Prophet indicated to us, that there would be a time is that it would be hard to find anyone that would fulfill their trust. And that the commentators say upon this hadith, that, amana, is that we know is that fulfilling our trust is from the traces of perfection of faith. And so in other words, is that if your amana diminishes, your faith diminishes. And when your amana diminishes, that your ihsan and excellence that you show also diminishes. And our Prophet said also, La imana liman la amana There is no iman for someone who does not have amana. No true faith for someone who lacks this trait of trustworthiness. In another narration, la deen. There is no true religion for someone who lacks this great trait of trustworthiness. And so this is something that we have to strive for. And there are many manifestations of it. It manifests in conversations that we have. For instance, there's this hadith that says, Al-Majadis bil-Amana. In other words, is that a majad, a majlis is a gathering. Gatherings are based upon trust. And oftentimes we're in a gathering in certain things that are said. And you have to be very careful that if you know that that person who says this does not said something, does not want you to tell that thing to other people and you go and divulge that, is that you have breached the trust that is a part of that gathering. And this is something we have to know when to speak and when not to speak, what to say and what not to say. Now this is obvious that if someone is intending to harm someone else and you actually hear about that, that's a very different case. So we're not talking about the exceptions here, we're talking about the rule, which is 
our gatherings have to be based upon trust and trustworthiness. And our Prophet even indicated to us that if someone tells you something and they even so much as turn to look to see if other people are listening, is that it's not permissible to tell other people what it is that that person is saying. Look at these beautiful traits and think about how many people get harmed when we have breaches that in that are amana. And so our Prophet ﷺ taught us to be that trustworthy people in all of these different manifestations. In terms of our own self with this oath that we've taken with our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala in relation to others, our relationships that we have, in relation to business, buying and selling, how it is that we interact with other people in this way, that even little things like, and sometimes we forget this, in Sharia, if you are selling something and there is an aib, there is some type of fault in that product or in that car, in that house or whatever it is that you are selling, it is an obligation for you to clarify that there, what is wrong with that thing before you sell it. So you can't know something's wrong with your car or know something's structurally wrong with your house and just cover it up and just sell it. You have to clarify that. And if you don't, is that the money that you receive from that transaction is haram? You have to clarify it. And that our Prophet taught us these types of etiquettes. These are just examples. And there are so many different examples of this in our deen. And the hadith finishes by saying, وَحُسْنُ This fourth trait is just having good character. And also being very careful about what it is that we eat. Making sure that it's obviously not unlawful. Making sure that there's no shubha. There's no doubtful, no doubtful nature of what it is that we're eating. And then even extending to making sure that we watch how much it is that we eat. And all of these different manifestations. These four things. Our Prophet taught us that maintaining, fulfilling our trusts. And that 